Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you today from Low Quota, North Dakota. And Ray, we're on our uh, fourth strategy, approaching conflict, uh, managing conflict. It's the second A in the CCCAA, and it's about accommodation. So why don't you get us kicked off and we'll just go for it. Okay, well, and I want to run through the five, three Cs, two As, competition, collaboration, compromise of the Cs, and avoidance, and now accommodation. That's the second A. Uh, Accommodation is the strategy, if you will, related to conflict, in which you intend to suffer a loss so that someone else might win. So it's an I lose, you win scenario, which is to say, I'm going to make a priority out of what you need and put my needs as secondary. So who does that? Well, <laughs> That's not like either you or I. I, I yeah, I'm going to say right away it, think, it would be hard for us that? to recognize because it's so foreign to us yes. either, to operate that way. But for all those people who tend to be perceived either self-perception or the perception of the colleagues as unassertive tend to use this strategy. If you're naturally unassertive, this may be the strategy you use most because it means uh, that you're going to be very low on the assertive scale and very high on giving others what they need so that they feel comfortable with you. So for all of our friends, listeners, others who consider themselves unassertive, this is a strategy that could be natural for you, but one you have to be real cautious about using frequently. And it does seem to me that people who put a premium on politeness and the organizations that I've worked with, and I often think of them as being some of the most polite organizations and people in the world, when you've been trained or taught that politeness reigns supreme, there too, I think people will move more towards accommodating because that seems to be a more polite way to deal with conflict. So I would add to that and say, yeah, politeness, or if you tend to not be assertive, you tend through family training and that to not be brought up to say, this is not your position to assert yourself. You're going to be caught up in this potential of seeing this as a preferred way of dealing with conflict, a preferred choice. And as you've said, you need to be careful with that. That's not in your best interest most of the time. Okay. Well, Bob, I consider this the uh, strategy in which you might characterize it as, it would be my pleasure. Okay. Now, one of the things I'd ask you, and I'd, and I'd want uh, any of our listeners to think about, is what kind of distinctions do you make between, say, avoidance and accommodation? Because mm. mm-hmm. they're both low on assertiveness, but w- when you think of them, what, what are the differences for you? Yeah, I tend to see people that I think of as using avoidance as a strategic choice in managing conflict as withdrawing, as people who pull back, as people who say, this isn't worth my energy. I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to spend the time on this. It's too difficult, et cetera, et cetera. So I see primarily nonverbal expressions of withdrawal. I think with accommodation, it's more one of those that says that uh, I really want to be supportive of you. I really want to encourage you to get your way. And so if, for example, a group or to make a decision, if I'm highly accommodating, I might just say, well, I'm going to go with the group. 
that's fine by me. And so I'm really going to be supportive in that way. And in that sense, I'm making an attempt to win by aligning with the majority of the group. Your reactions, or maybe you're going to play that out in terms oh, yeah, of more I think, detail. I think that's a great that's a great distinction. Yeah, that, it's very akin to what I I view the difference to be. Primarily, the difference to me is an accommodation. I'm intentionally supporting the other, whether it's the other individual or the other members of a group. I'm going out of my way to make their needs a priority. For me, accommodation is a commitment to bring about what other people need to, to help them make sure they're achieving what's important to them. And, and what I'm hearing you say in that is even to my own personal deficit, that that right. is, I'm willing to let the other person win, even if I lose, because I think that's the best strategy. Now, you used a term earlier when we were talking about this, I'll make concessions. I'll concede as a part of an accommodation strategy versus an avoidance strategy. Primarily, I see an avoidance strategy saying, I'm not going to concede anything. I'm just going to back my way out of this. I'm not going to participate, at least temporarily. But no, you're not seeing any concession on my part if I'm avoiding this as a strategy. But on, on accommodation, you could see quite a bit of concession. Exactly. In fact, that's the difference, I think, between accommodation and collaboration. Hmm. Because both accommodation and collaboration are high in, in putting the other person's needs as a priority. Mm-hmm. So when I think about what's the difference between collaborating with someone and accommodating someone, well, the difference is I don't ever concede when I'm collaborating. Mm-hmm. I'm never not pushing back. In fact, if I'm collaborating, the only time I'm moving to the other person's point of view is because I've been convinced. Mm-hmm. I'm now in the same corner. I'm now in the same spot. But in accommodation, I don't necessarily ever have to get to the spot where that person's priorities are my priorities because I'm, I'm willing to allow them to succeed and whatever it is that is important to them. So in the collaboration perspective, using the model of win-win or win-lose, it is a win-win because even though I didn't start there, at some point you convinced me otherwise or the group convinced me otherwise. And so now I am in that place where it is a win for me, much like it is a win for you. But with accommodation, I don't necessarily have to feel like I've won. I'm just willing to make the concession. I'm willing to say, okay, I didn't get my way this time, but I'm going to go ahead and accommodate to the group. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, to give, to follow our uh, pattern that we've been using for all the other strategies, the context that's most appropriate in which to use accommodation is when you want to demonstrate you're being reasonable. When you want to demonstrate, when you want to communicate to someone else, I not only want to be reasonable, but I want you to understand that what you want is important. And that's why I'm addressing it this way. That's why I'm saying, let's go your direction. Okay. That's part of the context. When you're actively involved in developing the other person's sense of worth, if I were to give a parenting example, there may be times that I'd be very accommodating to my children because it involves your sense of worth. I want them to know that they can be a priority. I can make them a priority. It doesn't always have to be my way. Mm. So when I want someone to feel important to me, accommodation is a good way to do that. Accommodation tells someone what they need is important to me as well as to them. Interesting. So um, one of the things I'm responding to or hearing in your statements is if I'm a person who naturally prefers competition or a more competitive choice of winning, desperately winning, or even collaboration, your example would be, it might be in my best interest, particularly you give the example of parent and child, to be 
accommodating in certain places where I want to communicate, you're important to me, where I want to communicate, I want to develop you, I want to value you, and I want you to understand that clearly. So I would say to our listeners, those of you out there who tend to be more in the competitive collaborative space, that this is a strategy you can intentionally use to say to the other, unequivocally, I'm for you. You're important to me, and you're even more important to me than this issue we're wrestling with, that you now know my position, and I'm willing to go your way. So that is a a useful way of thinking about if you're in these spots, you can use this intentionally and communicate something you want to communicate. Exactly. And Bob, your comments bring me back to a previous conversation you and I have had, and that is, how would I tie accommodation to our strategic communication model Mm -hmm. and the three different belief systems. Yes. I thought you had some interesting things to say about that. Well, in general, I would say that accommodation as a strategy, as a strategic choice to communicate would fit conventionals better than either expressives or strategic communicators. Now, what I mean by that is if you think about You've got these three elements in every task, you, or you've got these three elements in every message, task, identity, and relationships. Conventionals tend to be far more focused on relationships and identity than they are on task. Expressives tend to be almost exclusively focused on task, and they really struggle to get away from it's all about the task. Strategic communicators tend to try to address all three and try to incorporate messages and communication that will address all three. So my first reaction is I would expect people who identify themselves as conventionals as tending to consider this strategy a worthwhile strategy in almost any context, because what they want to do is they want to promote the relationship and they want to promote their identity as well as the other person's identity. They want to give that primary emphasis. Now, a strategic communicator might make the intentional choice to be more accommodating, as we just talked about in a parent-child kind of context, because they want to communicate a particular message, but they would be doing that strategically. And their task is to indeed communicate that. Otherwise, strategic communicators are going to say, no, I'm not willing to give up the task. It is not about me losing here. It is going to be a case that I'm going to have to win. So they're more likely to go to collaboration if they see this as a joint effort and something they're going to do. The expressive, it's almost oblivious to them. Only afterwards would they be able to think, huh, maybe I should have been a bit more accommodating there. Maybe I should have been the situation called for this. But an expressive will naturally be inclined to make the choice that pushes the envelope towards winning. And so that's how I would see the model that we talked about early on fitting into this conversation about uh, accommodation. Any any reactions or thoughts on that? I think that an excellent application of the message design logic model and our Thomas Kilmer model, Mm -hmm. that there could be very clearly a connection and that connection needs to be explored, needs to be understood. So we might might refer to this as Ray and Bob's excellent adventure. You said that that was an excellent reaction. I just want to make sure this could be Ray and Bob's excellent adventure. This conversation could be excellent adventure, could be brilliant adventure. Could be brilliant. Of course, that always goes back to our fan base. Yes. That's right. A few more comments on the context. I think when you want to create goodwill, when you when you want to make sure that people understand their importance and their views is important and you want to create a goodwill, accommodation is a good strategy. Accommodation will clearly carry that message. I think also when uh, you want to make sure the other person can be the hero, 
If it's an individual situation and I want the other person to feel strong, I want them to feel good. I want them to understand their value. I think accommodation, again, is a very, very useful strategy, one that gets that job done. And then another final comment on context is that when the situation or the conflict is of low importance to you, but significant to them, accommodation, again, is a very useful approach. It makes sense, and it will, it will, in fact, accomplish what you hope to accomplish. One of the places I was going is we commented on the avoidance strategy as being useful in a multiple strategy approach because it addressed temporary situation. That avoidance tended to be more temporary. We're going to get back to you on that, or I'm going to get back to you on that. Let's do this in a couple of weeks, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking, well, is accommodation also useful in a multiple strategy approach in dealing with conflict? I think the dilemma that ran through my mind is accommodation more than avoidance has a permanent outcome. Typically, when you accommodate in the story, when the the meeting's been done and the the decision's been made, that decision is in the bank. It's not going to be a case that we can go back and revisit that as we might suggest in an avoidance strategy. So I would want to say, when you think about accommodating, this is not temporary. You don't accommodate and come back later and say, well, you know, I was really just trying to support you there. That's really not the right outcome. You got to be prepared to accept the outcome when you make the choice to accommodate. Right or am I missing? Exactly, exactly. To me, when you choose to accommodate, you're committing to a certain outcome. Mm-hmm. And there won't be backing off later. There won't be a retraction later. Okay. So, uh, in terms of avoidance, where I'm trying to avoid committing to an outcome, accommodation puts me squarely in the crosshairs to commit to an outcome. That's what I was sensing. So we don't want to use this this particular strategy of managing conflict as a temporary strategy. No. This has permanent consequences. Yeah, it's not casual. Like all of them, uh, depending upon the importance of the conflict, it's not casual. It's a commitment in this case. Okay. Now, in terms of skills that are necessary to pull off accommodation, I think the skills I'm going to list are sometimes more attitudinal than they are behavioral. For example, I think foregoing your desires, hmm. pulling back on what you want and allowing others to get what they want is uh, is sometimes to me an attitude. I can Mm-hmm. identify a couple of skills to go with it, but it's really a natural attitude that some people have. And I think that makes them use accommodation more frequently because that's their natural attitude. I'm, I'm not going to always put my needs first. Mm. There's a selflessness involved. Again, when I'm finding, I'm kind of laughing to myself when I, when I say that, I'm saying, oh, that's why I don't use it. <laughs> that's why I'm not quick to accommodate. Exactly. That's a hard one. That's right. Now here's one that I think may sound negative, but it, but I think it's an important Appreciation is that you can't obey orders. If I'm going to submit, if I'm going to accommodate others' wishes, then I have to be willing to obey what they say is going to take place. I have to be willing to follow through. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, it's uh, another one I put out as a skill is the ability to yield gracefully. Hmm. Because the last thing you want to be perceived as when you're accommodating is sour grapes. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you what you want, but I don't really like it. Yeah. That, that's not a comedy. That that's just kind of having a. Uh, I'm I'm going to lose, but I'm not. I'm not a gracious loser. So that defeats the whole purpose. Lose. That defeats the whole purpose of this choice. If we do it without graciousness, so we, that's got to be a skill set or an orientation. You said I really like the way you've positioned this. These are not really behavioral skills. These are really much more orientations you have to have in mind, have a part of you in order to be successful at using this approach in any meaningful way. Yeah. And I think there's some people who are 
built for this. I mean, I'm thinking of two or three and someone I'm very close to who this is their natural style about most everything. Mm -hmm. They accommodate because they want things to work. Yep. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, Then one, one other thing that we've shared with the other strategies is what happens if you overuse this? Okay. If you use it more frequently than is appropriate. Well, you end up restricting your influence. You end up, you end up reducing your overall influence because all you're doing is making what everyone else wants more important. Mm-hmm. You get other, you and others stop contributing to solutions because if one person is going to get their way, every time we get into these situations, why go to the effort of making additional conflict? Why go to the effort of creating tension? And then I finally say, if you overuse it, multiple ideas, everyone's ideas get too little attention. Hmm. Because in, in accommodation, generally, you're either accommodating one person or one small group of people in contrast to the larger group. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is this one group or this one individual is going to get their ideas to take come to the forefront, but the rest of us are going to, have to take a background view, yep. a background spot. Mm-hmm. You know what? As you're sharing this in terms of overuse, the prominent picture that comes to my mind when I think about working with executives or leaders and even coaching them is that by overusing this particular strategy, you become a non-player. You're just not seen as a person who has any significant influence, has any significant power. You've just relegated yourself to status of saying, yeah, I'm not really meaningful in anything that's going on here. So that's just a cautionary tale of saying, you need to be careful. Now, this strategy does have, as you've already pointed out, good context, reasonable places where you think this is a useful strategy to employ. But an overuse of it would quickly, in an organizational setting, move you out of being significant in any meaningful way, right? Is that what, I mean, essentially we're thinking in terms, okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So any summary thoughts? We're actually pretty close to time. As you think about this, advice to the uh, folks that are listening in about this is a part of your, so to speak, conflict management strategic package? Well, I think what we've said about each of the strategies so far is they all have their place. They all are useful. Mm-hmm. They all can make the right solution. They can all create the right outcome. So I wouldn't be hesitant to use any of the four that we've talked about so far, but to ha- but understand the context and understand what the likelihood is that they'll actually work. Mm-hmm. And that, as you've done a good job today, for me at least, is understanding that I may have some natural preferences based on my own strategies regarding communication that I've got to be conscious of not overusing. I've got to be conscious of not constantly preferencing uh, because it's just natural to me. It's it's my normal uh, approach that I've got to at least be willing to draw back and make a decision, make a choice. Mm-hmm. And next week, we move on to compromise, which as one of our listeners shared with me uh, this past week, we made clear to him compromise is not one of those positive outcomes or positive strategies from our perspective. And he said, well, a lot of people use it. So you really caught me off guard and surprised me with that. And I said, well, good. We want to go there and let you know why we think compromise as a choice in managing conflict is not a particularly good one. Am I right there? Yep. And uh, I just want to provide a forewarning for those of you who are compromisers. Be prepared because I'm, we're coming after you. I'm coming after you next week. You're in our sights. That's right. You're, you're a target for us. Right. We're coming for you. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big 
so complicated or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. Thank you.